What's up, RPG fans? Welcome to episode one of the Switch RPG podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Philip, and I'm joined tonight by my comrade in arms, Geo. How are you doing, sir? Doing fantastic. Can't wait to get the show on the road. Episode number one feels really good. Really excited. Let's do this. Absolutely. How's your week been? Has it been pretty good? Well, this past weekend, uh, Easter weekend for me was kind of busy, but made it made it through. Absolutely. I'm excited. Excited to roll tonight. If this is your first time listening, ladies and gentlemen, this is the show from SwitchRPG.com that brings you exciting news, upcoming game releases, and all the latest in the world of RPGs on the Nintendo Switch platform. After that, we'll then read your questions on air and try to answer them if we can. Remember, we're all about community here at the Switch RPG Podcast. So if you want to be part of the show, you can email your feedback and questions to podcast at switchrpg.com. You can tweet using the hashtag switchrpgpodcast, or you can dive into our Discord server at discord.switchrpg.com and post in our podcast channel. At the end of the day, we hope that you know that we want to hear from you. Now, Gio, before we actually jump into the episode proper, we've got a couple of uh, elements of housekeeping. Sure, sure. First things first, uh, we are indeed on podcast services now. Uh, that is iTunes or Apple Podcasts, as they're called now. Um, we're also on Google Play and Stitcher. And then uh, if you... What, basically, whatever your podcast service is, other than Spotify, you might be able to find us on there. And then you can obviously find us on the website as well. So that's exciting. Um, I know when I listen to podcasts, that's what I do is I, I have my podcast app. I sub and then I get it uh, right there in the app. So then number two is we just kind of want to thank you, all the listeners, uh, for listening to the episode zero. It was great to get that sort of demo episode out there and get some feedback. We mm-hmm. heard everything you said. We've got your questions. We've got your uh, your your comments, any concerns you had, and man, I just really appreciate everybody supporting us and really showing your excitement for the show. Yes, indeed. All right, so now let's move on to the show proper by starting off with our news segment. Gio, what's our first thing of news? Uh, first thing of news we have is Dragon Quest Eleven coming to the West in November, but not so much for the Switch. It's coming a little bit later. Looks like we have Square Enix had a PR representative telling IGN that the Switch version would definitely not be released in 2018, which is kind of poor news, and could end up being released much later. Looks like IGN had a chance to see the Western version of the game, talk to the series creator, um, and they were also uh, able to check out a double preview in there, and they, they, they were overwhelmingly positive about the experience there, but it's just, it's too bad that this can't be released at the same time as, you know, the PC or, you know, uh, you know, Steam, as well as the PlayStation 4. You know, this seems like this would be the perfect opportunity for the Switch to get a, dra- um, to get this Dragon Quest, but looks like it's, we're going to have to wait a while. And that is obviously the news for this podcast, right? Since this is the Switch podcast. And like you said, this is really disappointing. I feel like this, like you said, is an opportunity for the Switch to say, hey, we're we're one of the big boys. You know, even though obviously it, it's different, but like this was a chance for, and, and I don't know what the delay is for. 
Um, well, the the delay they they stated in the article that it was more for technical reasons, and we're seeing that a lot with the switch. We're seeing a lot of technical um, uh, back limitations. They're not able, yeah, yeah, they're not they're not able to uh, port it all at the same time, which is unfortunate. Yeah, and and then also in there is uh, that the. 3DS version that's in Japan isn't coming over at all either. And I know a lot of fans are disappointed about that because it had this special feature of switching back and forth between uh, like a 2D game and a 3D game. So, Right. And when I, from what I've seen in the uh, Japanese trailers, as well as the, they released kind of an English sub one, which was really, it looks really, really cool. It kind of reminds me of Nino, Nino Kuni, which I'm kind of bummed I can't play because uh, Phil, you won't give me your PlayStation Four, <laughs> but um, it would be really nice if we could play this at the same time as all the big boys. But we're just not, we're just not there yet. But maybe this is maybe. Hey, look, this is still the Switch is early in its life cycle. So, so maybe, maybe as we move forward, we'll start seeing uh, some some developers making sure that these versions are simultaneous release. Uh, as they work out the kinks of the hardware and the architecture and everything like that. Right, yeah. The, the Switch needs respect. Absolutely. Sure. Moving on, uh, we got our second piece of news here uh, coming from Kotaku. And it's that Square Enix has actually created a new studio. And it's headed by Hajime Tabata, who is the uh, director of Final Fantasy XV. Uh, Gio, what do you think about this? I'm not exactly sure what this is going to mean for the Switch, considering that the the head of or pretty there's a lot of development team members from Final Fantasy 15 that are going to be heading this. They're going to be part of this, so I'm not sure they haven't really done anything. These Final Fantasy folks here, the, they haven't ported that over to the Switch, and maybe that's part of the process, but. I'm not sure what to make of this for the Switch, to be honest with you. They And I believe that they said they, they already have a brand new IP planned for this for this team, for the studio. So, yeah, is this going to be something where they're developing wide or is it, are they are they sort of sticking to their guns on PlayStation? Uh, now, did 15 come to the Xbox? 15 is on the Xbox, it yes. On I, the have, Xbox. I have it for the Xbox, yeah. Okay. So the, it seems like they they aren't necessarily just in PlayStation's camp anymore, you know, right. like times past. But um, but yeah, now, I what's don't know the, what, what's the story with the the Are they making a Final Fantasy fifteen mobile? Did I miss out on that? With you know the look of the the big heads on on the Final Fantasy the, the chibi style. Yeah, the chi- you're into that, aren't you? I do like that. I do like that. Yeah. Um, it, that's that's the version of Final Fantasy fifteen I'm expecting for the Switch. And I don't know if I like that. <laughs> <laughs> I I I would be I would be shocked if that didn't come over. Um, now I don't know if that's actually the Final Fantasy team that's working on that, or if they outsourced that port. Okay. Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure. I wasn't prepared to to look at that. What, was that from that? Was that for mobile or what that was? That was for? It was for okay. mobile. Yeah, it was for it was for mobile. And actually, here's the weird thing: it was for mobile, but it's actually on Steam as well. So what? it's not just a mobile exclusive. So I, I, I feel like that is evidence that it, it may come over to the Switch eventually. So anyway, all right. And um, last piece of news. What do we got there? Last piece of news. Uh, Level 5 Studios is um, now mm-hmm. saying that all their main uh, titles will be released for the Switch. 
Now, these are the same folks who uh, developed Nino Kuni, except that's not coming to the Switch. <laughs> no. It's like um, all of our main titles from now on yeah, are going to be coming to the on. Switch. <laughs> like, what the heck? I, I don't know. I think it's very interesting. I would I would love to see, you know, down the line, Nino Kuni make its way over. I don't, I don't know that that's... It's not PlayStation exclusive because it's on the PC, but it would be nice if... Uh, if they started with Nino Kuni, I would love that. Yeah, I would too. And now it's possible since it's on the PlayStation that it is a console exclusive because it's not on All Xbox. Right, yes. So yeah. I don't know what kind of sort of behind the closed doors deals that they've got with Sony. But this is also the developer. I, I looked up uh, some of their lists. If you go back in time, they also have Yokai Watch on, yep. you know, on their, their table. And then... I believe were they actually the developers of some of the Dragon Quest series? I'm not entirely sure. I cuz I mean if I'm looking at this list, I'm looking at this list. Yeah, in fact, uh, it looks like Dragon Quest 8 and Dragon Quest No, that was 9. for the 3DS, right? Dragon Quest 9 was for the Nintendo DS and then Dragon okay. Quest 8 was for the PS2. I was I was way off. Way off. <laughs> And I, I, I'm not, I'm not an expert in the Dragon Quest series. So, but I mean, according, according to these, these pages here. Yeah. I mean, they were, they were the developers for those games. So yeah, I mean, they got a great pedigree. They also are the makers of the Professor Layton games. So, I mean, they've got, they've got a good pedigree. So saying that level five is going to be developing for the switch moving forward. That's a big deal. I think, I mean, I think, yeah, another, they're, they're going console exclusive, which is, which is nice. Nice to see. Um, I'm looking. I am looking at their list, and pretty much the only game I've ever played is their first one on the list, Dark Cloud, for the PlayStation Two. Wow, <laughs> long time ago for me. Um, and that was kind of like a, a Zelda esque Zelda clone, I guess, if you will. But yeah, that was a long time ago for me. I I, I didn't play any of the uh, the the Yokai Watch. That's kind of recent, but yep, yeah, very cool. They're 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 staying with the switch so i'm interested it's another third party developer that's committed mm-hmm. to putting games on the switch specifically rpgs and that's been sort of a a growing trend which is great for us right yes yes for the site. indeed all right so that's actually going to wrap up all of the news for this week uh what we'll cover now are this week's uh, game releases and we had starting from last week we had a couple of games that neither geo or myself really have any any expertise with and that's the atelier lydian suel <laughs> the what good the job game. yeah yeah good, hey, good effort my best effort and then uh that came out on the 27th uh march 27th. what's that cost uh do you have a price yeah 59.99 okay that is full price wow and then also last week on the 30th we had devious dungeon come out and that is six seventy nine, and that is that is both U.S. dollars, USD. And then this week's official release, and we actually have a review up for it on the site. Firestream did our official review, and that's Penny Punching Princess, and that releases April the third tomorrow. Yes, it is. And that's also I haven't I, I haven't seen much about it. I did watch the trailers, uh, and I read his review, and honestly, his review kind of got me a little bit more interested in it and i've heard some positive buzz about the game but i don't know too much too much about it 
Now, yeah, I don't, I don't know much about it either. Um, it doesn't seem like my kind of game. Reading the review, he did give it a, a good score, which is, which is good. Uh, he says it's worth, you know, it's worth your time. What does it cost? It's about thirty, forty. I uh, we don't have a price history on on the site for it. What? Yeah. Fire oh, wait, stream. Wait, 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 wait. No, thirty nine ninety nine. My bad. Thirty nine. Thirty nine ninety nine. Okay. It was up at the top. I missed it. I mean, it it looks interesting. Doesn't seem like my kind of my kind of game. Same. Um, same. But you know, I would say that for this developer period, they don't typically make games that I relate to that I enjoy. But um, I could see other people liking it. I mean, the art style looks kind of interesting, but it's just it's just not for me. Absolutely. All right, but uh, now let's actually talk about some games that we are really interested in. Geo, let's let's go over our wish lists for the All listeners' right. pleasure. We'll go with our sort of top three. What do you have on your top three list? My top three. Let me get my papers ready for this. Oh, he's got notes. Guys. Got notes here. You can hear that. All right. So top three. I have Dark Souls. This will be my uh, second time dipping into that series. I started with Dark Souls three. I kind of went backwards. That series just sucked me right in. Absolutely love playing that game. I love the difficulty. I hate that everyone compares Dark Souls <laughs> to you know all these other games Everything to Dark else. Souls. Yeah, everything gets compared to Dark Souls, but I, I'm very, very interested in that in that game. Um, what else do I have here? Decay of Logos. I don't. Have you been following up on that? Oh, I believe I believe you're the one who initially I posted. I think you're the one that initially posted about it in Discord, and yeah. from that moment, yes, I've been following it. Yeah, it seems like a, a dark. <laughs> I did it. I did it. <laughs> dark Souls ask game. It. it it just it's it, for some reason it's got me. I like the music in the trailer. Not to say that that's going to be in the final, you know, final game, but it really is. It's it's grabbing my attention. Yeah, I don't know what it is about it. Uh, and also have Pixel Noir. Uh, Pixel Noir is kind of it reminds me of an old the older Shadowrun RPGs. I don't know if you recall those, um, but it's kind of almost like point and click, but it's turn based. So it's a little it's got a little spin on that. It's got the pixel art. It looks really interesting to me. So okay. those are my top three. Yeah, I would say Dark Souls and Decay of, uh, of Logos, I'm super, super excited about. I actually haven't ever dipped my toe into the Dark Souls series. So, you got to do it. Yeah, so I'm, I'm really excited about that. I'm wondering how it's actually going to run. I hope it's optimized decently. Your, your standards? Way up there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, my top three. Uh, first, I've got Octopath Traveler. I feel like awesome. every other person in the entire world, and I applaud you for not having it on there because I feel like that was really cliche. <laughs> but I've been following I've been following Octopath Traveler almost yeah. since the inception, uh, and you know I, I'm hungry for that 2D sprite based uh, sprawling RPG from Square that we haven't gotten in a number of years, and I'm hoping, fingers crossed. That we're going to get it with this. Uh, it's a lot of people from the Bravely Default series, a series that I I hold in high regard as as really feeding that that nostalgic RPG need that I have. So right here's the hoping now, I, Octopath. Poster. I have a problem. I do have a problem with that game though. That is the title. Mm. I don't know if you have an issue with the title. Now it almost leads me to believe that there's only going to be one with Octopath Traveler. So if you have a second one. What do you, is it Octopath Traveler 2? There's too many damn numbers in there. You 
are so right and that was my only complaint that i had and even even in the discord when we were watching the direct when they announced it i i had that was my one issue with it because i thought it was a cute uh pre-title like you know like a working title okay, a working cool. title right it's, it it immediately lets us kind of know what the game is going to be about but i did not mm -hmm. want that to be the final title i know that a lot of other people are fine with it but I, I am I'm a little disappointed. And you bring up a great point. What about a sequel? To me, it's not future proofing the IP at all. No. Uh, you know, especially when you're establishing this is a brand new IP. That title is really important because you got to go somewhere with it. To me, yeah, Octopath Traveler two. Now this is Square Enix, so their titles are convolu a convoluted mess right. anyway. So, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, I'm totally with you. I'm totally with you. I honestly thought it was going to be a, a game in the Saga series. I predicted that, and I was wrong. So Yeah, that would have been nice. Uh, next up, I've got West of Loathing. I have not played this game on Steam. I found out about it in the Nindy Direct that happened a couple mm -hmm. weeks ago. The thing that gets me here is the art style. I love things that are so out there and uh they're they're their own thing i love yep. hand, i love hand-drawn art of all styles and so the stick figure might turn some people off but for me i was like oh wait that's cool and then i also having watched some videos and read some things about it uh it sounds like the writing and the humor are just phenomenal and that's i was just right my i eye. was just gonna hit on that i was watching some playthroughs and you know it was just kind of getting you know getting into it watching it and the humor just the writing itself is it's freaking funny it is so so funny there there were options just i'm not gonna spoil everything but there was an option because you kind of get it right away there was an option for uh i think it was called funny walks and your your stick drawn figure every time you move does funny walks it does cartwheels it crawls backward like it was so it was it's just it's just got really good writing in it. And the art style, yeah, it's it's very different. There's no doubt about it. I've never seen another game with, you know, stick exactly, figures. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that one's cool. That one is definitely cool. And then uh, last up, I've got uh, South Park uh, Fractured But Whole. I yep. haven't played this game yet, so I figure it coming to the Switch gives me a great opportunity to do so. I, I personally love South Park show. Yep. I, you know, I'm all over the, that, that style of humor. Their writing, I think, is is fantastic, and you know, it's that instant, rec instantly recognizable South Park. You know, it looks like an episode, so I'm going right. to jump into that. So that's it's actually a solid, solid RPG. Is it it's really? A, is it really? Yes, the first one was a really good R. It was really good RPG, considering the you know the context of it. It's just, it's a South Park game, but it's just it was really good. It was the play style was it was smooth. It's awesome. Well, that's good to hear. So yeah, so that's our wish list. But uh, we do want to hear from you guys, if you will, in the Discord uh, channel for the podcast. Let us know what your top three games, top three RPGs for the the Switch. What's on your wish list? Let us know, because um, we're we're curious as to what everybody else is going to play as well. All right, uh, Jay, you ready to dive into some listener questions? Let's do this. I have, um, what do we have? We have a few here. Sea Monkey Stew has a question. Hey, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you. 
the portability factor, is it the portability factor or something else that makes RPGs on the Switch great? I think it is. I think that's one of the biggest selling features for RPGs. A lot of them are long playing games. So the fact that you can take it somewhere, play it, continue your playthrough. Also, you can, um, it has the sleep mode. Just You can just put it to sleep and just continue whenever, wherever you just were. So, yeah, the portability factor is probably one of the best, I think, features. Both of the things that you said there are so important. I want to I wanna touch on the second thing where you said about the sleep mode. That, to me, is a must-have in consoles and a must-have in games. Just the way sort of that my life is at the moment, like I, I can't necessarily guarantee that I'll have like a solid 45 minutes to an hour to two hours to, 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 you know, schedule out, right. Yeah. Schedule out. Not not even really to keep my attention, but like I I might have to get up, you know, at a moment's notice to, to get something, you know, out of the, out of the dryer or like load the dishwasher or something. Right. So like I'm all the time, I've got stuff to do. So I don't always have that block. And to have a console where you can just immediately hit a button, you know that your game is safe, it's always there, that's really important. For those who kind of followed my playthrough of Monster Hunter World, that was the one thing that took me out of that game was that you can't pause, it's always on. When you're in a mission, you can never step away from it. You can't go to the bathroom while you're playing. Exactly, exactly. So having games on a console that you can just shut it down and know, okay, I can step away and come back and everything is okay. That's so important to me as a player. So that, mm-hmm. that is, yes, it's the portability, the portability factor. But the thing is, I don't really like, I don't, I don't get on a train to go to work. I don't really have, do you a, take it to work? I don't take it to work. Yeah, your boss listens to this. That's okay. <laughs> so I definitely <laughs> don't take it at work. Um, so so the portability thing for me, other than the, the fact I can play on the couch, that's cool. But yeah. it is the it is the pausing or zooming that is the absolute best feature to me. Yeah, I utilize that feature constantly with two kids running around in the house. I'd be playing, say, Xenoblade in the middle of whatever it is I'm doing, whether I'm fighting a big boss or just kind of walking around i can just put it in sleep mode take care of them whatever i got to do and jump back into it you know neglect my children i it's that's definitely a great great feature all right let's jump into the next question meatball what rpg left the biggest impression on you not necessarily your favorite but it could be that too i'll uh i'll let you answer that first rpg with the biggest impression on me i Ha- to me, I have to go with Dragon Age Origins, and and anyone who knows me knows that 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 is sort of like my go-to answer. If we're talking about a story that has has stuck with me for years and years and years, and like I know it inside and out, characters who I felt like were my actual real life best friends, and it just I played that game in a period of my life where it was very formative, like a a lot of the, the, the things that the characters dealt with and not obviously on a global scale, right? I wasn't fighting dark spawn, but like the (laughs) interpersonal things like that, the characters dealt with was really 
impactful to me then and as I look back and look at okay what games sort of what games shaped my taste as I as I move forward in gaming uh, I've got to give it to Dragon Age Origins yeah this was a tough one this was a really tough one because I wanted to say that my favorite was also the one that left the biggest impression but I'm not sure Secret of Mana has got to be one of my favorite it was one of my first RPGs and it really did impact me going forward because ever since then, that's kind of what I was into going going forward. I, you know, I like the sports titles. I loved all it. But that one really, it was the first kind of action-based RPG for me. The story in it was re- really moving. The music in it was what really drew me into that game. I don't know if you've ever listened to it. But that's what I always, I always remember the music to that. But I also like Fallout 3. Fallout 3 is another, it's an open world RPG, but that one really stuck with me because that's what led me into a lot of these open world RPGs like Skyrim, like uh, uh, Morrowind, all the all these other ones that I'm actually currently playing now, Far Cry 5. It, I gravitate to them a little bit more. So Fallout 3, Secret of Mana, it's a toss up for me. I, I'm totally with you with the Elder Scrolls games for thinking like Oblivion and Skyrim. Yeah. That yeah, that that was a large part of my life. I I actually just got another copy of Skyrim because I <laughs> didn't have it on my current Steam account. So like I, I will always go back to Skyrim. Skyrim will always be there for me. Uh, so yeah, I'm right there with you on Elder Scrolls. Yeah, just the open, just the open world RPGs yeah, in yeah, general yeah. do it for me. Yeah. Let's see what else we have here. Penguinized, turn based or action gameplay. What is your preference? And then he uh, elaborates here. And what's your opinion on Squ- on what Square said on turn-based games being dead and action being future of RPGs, alongside the current trend of many RPGs opting to go action-based? And that kind of just led me to what I just said were my favorite games. You know, I, I was strictly turn-based for a long time because that's all that was available really for for a long while. But I do, I I like them both equally. I really do. The games that I mentioned in my top three, you got Dark Souls, which is, a, which is an action RPG. Then you have Pixel Noir, which is kind of a turn-based. So I'm kind of I'm kind of middle of the road, really. I have no no preference. I think if it came down to like what would I if I could only choose one for the rest of my life, what would it be? I think I'd have to, I think I'd have to go turn-based. I think I okay. would. Because if I think about like my final, uh, my favorite Final Fantasy games, it's turn-based. I think I'd have to go with that. Uh, and as far as my opinion on what Square said about turn-based being dead, I looked into, I looked into that that quote in that interview, and essentially it was uh, back sort of when um, Lightning Returns, Final Fantasy Thirteen, Lightning Returns was coming out. Uh, you had that going action RPG. It's sort of a time when a lot of people didn't think they would they would fully commit to action, and then Final Fantasy fifteen switched to action. Well, it's versus okay. thirteen transitioned into being Final Fantasy fifteen. It was action. Right. So then all of a sudden you got this Square Enix who's going sort of all in on action, and they're they're like they're trying to cater to a more casual player base. I think and that's more what it is. They're yeah. really trying to get the extra money. With the Call of Duty people, with the, you know Battlefield people, because that's that's more appealing to the West, and that's where their biggest market is 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 here. It's not really you know in Japan, but and um yeah, because 
you know, I mean, the casual Joe on the couch doesn't necessarily want to scroll through eight menus to find the skill that he's one, you know, so like, uh, right. and that's overgeneralizing, but I mean, I think that that is, that is where their headspace is at. Like, you know, they're trying to get the most sales that they can. So they, they, they obviously have some people running some numbers. They're saying, Hey, action RPG is where it's at. Uh, as far as my opinion on that, I, I kind of, I kind of like what Square is doing now, back in 2013, you know, when all sort of this was going on, I think there was a lot of cause for concern for like, where is the head, like where, where, where their, where, where's their mind right now. Uh, right. But I kind of like Square is splintering off into several different teams. And so mm-hmm. you have your sort of team focused on the looking forward at the you know, the graphically heavy uh, games that may be action RPG at this point. But then you also have those teams that are focused on the nostalgia-centric sort of games of the past. We see Octopath Traveler. We even see Tokyo RPG Factory. And then um, there, I think there's one other, I can't think of it right now. But yeah, I kind of, I don't mind what Square's doing. As long as they keep delivering on quality, we'll see. Over quantity, right, exactly. All right, so next question is from Two Wild. Two Wheel? Two Wild? Uh, and it is, what is your feeling with Game Over in JRPGs when party members are still alive? For instance, you have three or four party members. Say Final Fantasy Thirteen is a good example of this where you can only control your main party member, but you have two other party members. But if that main party member dies, then it's game over immediately. Gio, how do you feel about that? I'm okay with that. It's a game mechanic. You got to deal with it. That's the way they, they want their game to be. I'm I'm fine with it. I mean, obviously, you know, real in the real world, you have three other people who can help you out, you know, or take over the combat. You know, it makes sense. They should be able to handle things you know if we're talking real world but we're talking games and i'm okay with it they they just that's how they wanted to to make their game yeah i I, but like i said over it just it makes sense that you have these other people that should be helping out and they're just kind of watching you dead on the floor but yeah i'm okay with that i i i don't i don't really love it (laughs) i don't really love it uh but i mean it adds to the challenge. It does it definitely add to the challenge. I just feel like if I have a healer in my party who specializes in healing and resurrection, <laughs> why not give me one last chance to to cast resurrect or something? Like I can I, I can see if that that spells on a cooldown or right. maybe they're dead. But like I don't know. Uh, to me that because I like I like when narrative and Gameplay mechanics play nicely with each other, and to mm-hmm. me that that kind of conflicts a little bit. Uh, but then again, you know, why not throw a phoenix down on on Eris? So y- <laughs> you can't always have both, right? So so I understand, but I I personally I get a little frustrated and, and annoyed by it. It's almost like they're treating the group as as a solo player, and I'm okay with that. Uh, and I'll I'll read a little bit. 
uh, of what uh, two Wild's perspective here. He says, another game I played recently was Persona 5, and this one I do have an issue with. If the main character dies in battle, the game is over. You don't even get one turn to try to revive him. It is strange to have healers with revival magic when they can't <laughs> revive you. All other party members can be revived, but if the main character dies, nope, game over. I felt that limited me to what I could do with my main character. Persona 5 is a great game, but a lot of time I would use a persona that would null or reflect damage during a boss fight. I feel I felt it really limited the way I used that character during those battles. So I can I can see where he's coming from, but Gio, you're saying that hey, it's, it's an element of challenge, you know? Yeah, I could see where I can see where both you guys are coming from, but it is it's an element of uh, of challenge. It's it's an element of the game that they 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 chose, and I'm okay with it. And you know, it doesn't it doesn't break the game or anything. It's just a something you got to get over. Yeah. All right, and last but not least, remember. If you want your question read on the show, you've got several different ways you can do it. Uh, you can send your questions to podcast at switchrpg.com. You can tweet using the hashtag switchrpgpodcast, or you can hop on discord.switchrpg.com and post your question in our podcast channel. Last but not least, today we have Manorassel. Man, man, uh, man Good job. Manorassel. And the question is, what exactly, in your opinion, made Super Mario RPG for the SNES such a remarkably great game? And why do you think players want another one so badly? I'm going to be honest here. I've never played this game. I have no interest in playing this game. And I understand that a lot of people want to play this game or uh, you know, a sequel to it. This was my jump to PlayStation it was around, you know, they were around the same time. It actually, I think, overlapped a year or so. So, towards the end of Super Nintendo, I jumped over to PlayStation playing Metal Gear Solid and all these other games. And I totally missed out on this one. This I want to say this was toward the end of the life cycle of Super Nintendo, if I'm remembering correctly. So, this one was just never on my list. Um, I do have the uh, Super Nintendo Classic and I avoid this one because it just doesn't it just doesn't do anything for me. So unfortunately, I can't really answer the question. Well, I will be the voice of the people. Oh boy! All right. Um, I I, I personally haven't finished this game, but here is why, Man why it's so great, and why a lot of pe- people want it so badly. Number one. You had the perfect marriage of a platform mascot in Super Mario, a beloved character, someone that everyone instantly recognizes Mario. Even if you don't gain, you know who Mario is. And it married perfectly with, at the time, the greatest RPG makers ever in in Squaresoft. Squaresoft. In Squaresoft, yeah. So that, that marriage instantly just worked because they both sides wanted to make sure that their IPs or their special skills were given, you know, the correct spotlight and also the correct care. Yeah, Nintendo wanted their side to look excellent and SquareSoft wanted RPGs to look and, and run smoothly and yeah, no, definitely I've watched some playthroughs but I've never it's just 
just not for me, but cont- yeah. I'm sorry, continue. So I, I think I think you had that. You had the perfect marriage. You had it coming out at just the right time. You had a lot of game mechanics that were just really working. You had a, a decent story. You had Mario in a story, uh, and you had it didn't take itself too seriously, but it was what it needed to be. It was goofy. It was fun, and and it looked really cool too because it was it was Mario and how we had not seen Mario. Yeah, three almost three D. Almost 3D, right? So it was like before the N64 came around, we we is like we had seen this Mario that we'd never seen before. So I think that there was a lot of things there. Now, why do people want another one so badly? Because we've not gotten one since then that has been that good. That good. I mean, there have there been other Mario RPGs. There have been not, other not Mario. related to this. So. So they they want a continuation of this is what they want. They uh, they they want or turn based basically. Uh, they they want what they deserve. They they <laughs> want they want a Mario RPG that that works. Because uh, what happened is Square went their own. They they split from Nintendo. You know when mm-hmm. when when Sony came around. So that was right after that. So there wasn't another Nintendo Square team up for an RPG. And so like everything since has just not been the same because the Mario creators, Miyamoto, not a story guy, right? So he's not a story guy. Right. If you don't have a story, a lot of times you don't have a fantastic RPG, you know? And so then in a lot of the subsequent RPG, the Mario RPGs, the RPG elements have sort of started to take a backseat. So mm-hmm. people are wanting them because they haven't gotten a good one in decades. So there you go. There's there's my pitch for why we need another. Mario. I'll buy I'll buy in. I'm in. Let's do it. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. And that actually wraps up all the questions that we have. Do you, guys, thank you so much for. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Thank you so much. You have no idea. Like, it is super cool for me to sit here and record a podcast that I know one people are listening to, and the number two, they're scrambling to get to ask me a question to read on the next episode. So, you guys rock. Keep them coming. And we have one last segment for you, and this is a special one, because we, ladies and gentlemen, are going on a side quest. Geo, hit us. What are we talking about today? I will accept the side quest. Side quest today is, why aren't video game movies any good? Now, my thought, do you want to go first? No, you you go ahead, man. I, I just um, talked a bunch about Super Mario RPG. <laughs> All right, let's... I, let me refer to my notes. Actually, this is this is getting ridiculous here. One of the main reasons is that the um, these directors, these produ- producers, they don't know anything about video games. They're just either the money people or the I, I don't even know. They they didn't f- did they not grow up with video games? I don't know. These guys just don't know anything. Let's take for example. Again, I've been playing Far Cry Five. I was doing a little bit of research. Far Cry was actually a movie. I don't know if you knew that. I did not know that. All right. There was a Far Cry movie. Um, I was looking up some scores here. Metacritic, it's not, it doesn't exist. Okay. It's not on Metacritic. Rotten Tomatoes gives it a 12%. Oh. So, so it's not so good. You want another Ubisoft game, you ask? Sure. I'll give you one. Assassin's Creed, Metacritic 36, Rotten Tomatoes 18. Um, the audience score was at 43, so I guess some people liked it, but, you know, even Michael Fassbender couldn't make that movie any good. 
what what is the deal here? Is is it is it live action? Is it that they can't replicate these games in, in, in a live action format? Is it they're not taking the source material, the stories that are already in the game? Are they not taking that and putting it in a game? I mean, what it doesn't seem so difficult to me to make a movie with the stories already done. So what is what is the problem? What is going on? So I felt like for many years uh, we didn't know how to make good book adaptations either, uh, as well as comic book adaptations. If that if you're including that. Absolutely. I, I consider those separate. So, I mean, but that, that, that sort of makes my point. I felt like for many years we had to figure out how to do that. And I feel like video games are in that weird area right now where we just don't know how to make them. And I'm with you. To me, it seems like it would be easier to make a video game movie because you already have a visual medium, a, vi- a, a visual story just take out the game mechanics and put it in a movie. And maybe that's the problem is that you've got the element of look, this is a game. So it's interactive. So I am affecting things. I am invested in a different register. And maybe a lot of the, maybe a lot of the stories we've tried to put the screen aren't that great anyway, but we love them either because of nostalgia or because we actually are involved also, in-game experiences and in, in the games, you can't take those and put it in a movie. You know, you know what I mean. Yeah. Like, say for example, uh, in Silent Hill, um, you're being chased by these these monsters. You can you can kind of replicate that in a movie, but you don't get that feeling when you first hear this radio going off and you got these dogs coming after you. So, I, I think maybe it, some of those things you can't really replicate. Maybe that's the issue. I don't know. I mean, well, I and, and you're you're bringing up a good point because the the deal is when when the when those scary things are happening, especially like in a horror game like Silent Hill, uh, when those scary things are happening in the movie, they're not happening to you. They're happening mm-hmm. to someone else. So you're already once removed in that scare. Whereas in the game, you're control. You're trying to get away. You're physically controlling this you know this avatar trying to get away from this so you have a level of investment that a movie just can't replicate now that but that does not that does not cover why some of these other movies are bad like why was assassin's creed bad you know uh like you said going going back to the point you had earlier with you know movie adaptations and now comic book adaptations video game movies were around then too I mean, what happened? You know, you had Super Mario Brothers. That's kind of the one of the first movies to video game to movies that I I remember, and, and that was such a long time ago. Like there haven't really, there's been so much time in between, and they still can't get it right. Where comic book movies are kind of started around the same time as well. You know, you had you had Spawn. You had um, what are some of these other ones that that were out? They they started off. You know, not so great, and they kind of worked up. Why can't video game movies catch up? There have been quite a few. Then look at Resident Evil. How many Resident Evil movies are there? And these, I mean, they're so far beyond the the storyline. It's it's ridiculous with them. Right. But one of the best video game movies that I even can remember is Wreck It Ralph, and that's not even a video game movie. It's a movie with video games in it, and and that's and that's that's it. 
and I wonder, I wonder if that if that's getting close to what the problem is because I feel like with Wreck It Ralph, okay, number one, they put narrative first, like it, yeah, it was there were video game elements in it, but it was just like, all right, let's put narrative first, and then two, the video game elements that were in there they were included so lovingly and so carefully, right? So like mm-hmm. all the nods to these different things were so respectful and it wasn't over the top. It was just what it needed to be to either make us chuckle or make us remember uh, something from our t- childhood. Where is our video game movies trying to do too much? Like, are they trying to be too gamey? And was that the deal with comic book movies for a long time? Like if you if you if you compare like um, if you compare the original Daredevil movie to like the Daredevil Netflix show, like how was it trying to be too campy and too comic yeah. booky? And then we get our stride, we get that tone that we want. And now when you watch the Netflix Daredevil, it's like wow, this is like a TV show first, and it just happens to have a guy who has some sort of like super ability, you know? Yeah. And now you can kind of see why, you know, Nintendo is so apprehensive about, you know, letting their, their rights, lending their rights to some of these producers to make these movies. They just, they've seen the quality that has been out there and it's just horrible. You know, in saying that they are coming out with the film soon, Mm-hmm. I think it's the creators of Minions. Yes, yes. Okay, and it's it's not going to be live action. I think it's maybe a great that call. <laughs> great, it's call. A great call. <laughs> you know, maybe that's the route that we need to take. Maybe it's it needs to be animated, me or CG. Maybe it needs to go that route um, before we get it right with live action. Um, because because to your point, we still haven't gotten it right with live action. Because I while we were talking, I pulled up Tomb Raider. And I, right. I thought this could have been the one, but, but then again, everyone that comes out, I'm like, all right, this is the one Assassin's Creed is right. the one. <laughs> we do I, that I with felt, every, every release. <laughs> <laughs> I, and I, and I felt like, look, there was a lot going for this, like Tomb Raider in and of itself. Are you talking already, the, the newer one, the newest yes, one? Yes. Okay. The newest Tomb Raider that came out a couple of months ago. And because it was based on the recent Tomb Raider reboot mm-hmm. it's so narrative and it's a lot more realistic than the old ones used to be, right? So, like, I felt like you're already playing with a, a lot of positives here. And you look at the Rotten Tomatoes and it's got a 50%. It's so like, where where did we slip up and why That's is That's the best that? one. In my research, in, in Giovanni Research so, um, Society facilities. here, that that's, that's the best one is the newest Tomb Raider. Rotten Tomatoes, 50%. It's got an audience score of 65 but compared to the Angelina Jolie, you got a Rotten Tomatoes of twenty five percent and an audience of forty four, so they they've definitely improved. Um, one that I actually had hope for was Warcraft, and that one was just bad, not so good. But yeah, this they just can't get it right. Have you watched the Castlevania Netflix series? Absolutely, and it was awesome. Was it? It was awesome. Right. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen. It. I don't have any really affiliation with Castlevania IP, but I've heard from a lot of good sources that that was a that was a pretty pretty good pretty good uh, make there. And maybe because it was an episodic thing, you know, maybe these uh, 
these things they're trying to make films, maybe they would be served better making them into smaller sections, more uh, easily digestible. You know what I mean? Just make them into smaller pieces like the Castlevania. And I, maybe they can get a story across better rather than fitting it into, you know, an under two hour movie. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe that's one of the issues. Now, that's that's interesting because if you think about a game, it does not necessarily have the trajectory of a a three act or a five act mm-hmm. film plot structure, right? You have video games are cyclical, like you you're going through these. Uh, these sections of a game and, and it's, and, it, and it's sort of modes of a story rather than just this, you know, rising action into a climax and all that. So maybe you've got, you're onto something, right? So like if you split it down so that the structure itself is episodic and it's modes of a story mm-hmm. instead of all one thing. And also you might be able to get some extra time, because you're not trying to fit everything into an hour and a half or two hours. So you have some time to pace out different things or flesh out different characters or storylines. Right. Rather than just trying to jam everything together. Right. So maybe we just cracked the code. Maybe you and I need to come up with some money and uh and let's let's figure something out. Let's do it. Let's contact Netflix. Let's let's you know, figure out a uh, game that we want to make and let's do it. That's a fantastic question. What If you could pitch, if you could write one script to a video game to turn it into either a movie or a TV series, what would it be? I would remake Silent Hill. <laughs> the hell, right off the bat, right off the bat. He didn't even have to think about right it. Right off the bat. That, that is one of my all-time favorite games is Silent Hill. And to see it just disgraced in movie format was just so sad. It was just so sad, but I would I would remake Silent Hill. Um, I th- I thought I heard Metal Gear. I think they were making a movie. I'm not sure, um, but Metal Gear would be a great story. I think. Why not? One other one, you know, Zelda is just too easy. Mm-hmm. But I would say specifically on Zelda, just not Link, but Zelda, a mm-hmm. focused film or you know, on her, on her, I think would be excellent. And I thought that w- they were going to make the DLC about her or have some form or some aspect of her because there's so much missing time. I don't know if you played the game, but there's just so much missing time where, you know, what is she, do- what is she doing? You know, she's just holding Gan in there. I'm not sure, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Breath of the Wild. I yeah, would absolutely. love to see like a chic uh, DLC, but you know, a Zelda movie would be awesome. Yeah. Uh, that's, that would be another one. God, I asked the question. I don't even know. What would, what would it, <laughs> I mean, I, look, obviously, I would I I would have to go with Final Fantasy VI. I would pitch mm-hmm. a Final Fantasy VI television, like ten part Netflix series. It could be animated or live action; doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll start the script for that. All right, uh, listeners, and that's going to be our second question. What is, what is one game if you could script and pitch either a movie or a TV show? What is the game that you would choose? Now, one thing I want to add to the Zelda movie that I'm going to make with you um, is I would have it in the form of either anime or studio uh, Ghibli. Uh, is it Ghibli? Or oh, G- no. yeah. You know that 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 yeah. style. I think that would that would print money. It would it would make so much money. It, you, yes, yes, and 
honestly, like, and I know Nina Kuni two didn't look. I don't think I think I think they tweaked the style a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, but it still looks kind of like Nina Kuni. And I've got to go back and, and actually watch gameplay of the original Nina Kuni. But I don't think the style is too far removed. But Nina Kuni two's style, there are some spots that it looks so similar to Breath of the Wild to me. The way that they did the shading and the animation, it's not. It would not be that far of a stretch to put yeah. Zelda in that sort of that style. And I think that's where it would be successful. You know, having it live action, having it CG. I don't know that that would work. I think an animated version of that would would do a lot better. Yeah, absolutely, fantastic. Well, Geo, that uh, actually brings us to the end of our first episode. Aw. We want more. Well, you can have <laughs> more. The Switch RPG podcast uh, comes out every single Wednesday. So get your podcast apps ready or bookmark the site because every Wednesday we'll come out with a new episode. If you've listened this far, we thank you so much for your support. I know Geo appreciates it. And so do I. Gio, why don't you tell the listeners where you can be found on social media? Social media, I can be found in Twitter, at Gio Pimental. And you are, where are you now? You're I, everywhere. MySpace. You don't still MySpace. That's okay. It's okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm primarily, uh, almost almost exclusively on Twitter, at Vault RPG. You can find both of us in the Switch RPG Discord. And uh, you can remember, you can find all of your RPG needs at switchrpg.com. Until next episode, have a great week. I'll see you next time. See you later, guys.